Hello, it's good to be here today and although we're not together in person, we are together in spirit uh, right across homes, across Bedfordshire and joining together to worship God in his presence together. So thank you so much for joining in your homes and in your families uh, to worship God. I don't know about you, but I can feel his presence. I get the sense of what God is doing uh, amongst us, even though we're not together today, God is with us. And I want to just add my uh, congratulations to all the mums on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the way you sacrifice and for the way that you love and the way that you give yourselves. Uh, To my mum, if you're watching, love you. And also to my wife, Carol, mother of my two children, I love you as well. Uh, Sorry for the times I slept through when the children cried in the night. I love you. You're amazing. Uh, So mums, thank you so much. Uh, but also, I guess I have to say, this is an unusual time for all of us. It's a strange season to be alive. We are obviously in very unprecedented territory, uncharted waters. Um, and I think Psalm 46 says it best. It says, nations are in uproar. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And who knew just two months ago that the nations would be quite as in much uproar as they are today. But what we know is that so often in the moments of greatest darkness are the moments where God speaks. That's what Psalm 46 says. It says, the earth is melting, the earth is in chaos, the nations are in uproar, but God speaks. God is our fortress. He is with us. And it's so often on the canvas of adversity that God shows his very best artistry. It's in the moments of darkness where God himself and his people shine the brightest. And I believe we're in one of those seasons right now. And I want to say to us, King's Arms as a church, this is not a moment to throw off our confidence. This actually is a moment for us to arise and shine. And all the training and teaching that we have had over the years about our royal identity, about God being our father, about us being kingdom carriers, all that stuff that God has put in us is for such a time as this. It's for this moment in our nation. And I've been thinking about Mordecai's words to Queen Esther in Esther chapter 4. Mordecai says to Esther, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And I'm telling you, even in the midst of chaos and uproar and uncertainty and all that we're all living with and coping with and trying to understand, I believe this is going to be the church's finest hour. It's actually going to be the moment where we get to shine and what's in us gets spread around us. Because ultimately, this is a moment where those who carry the most hope are going to be the ones that have most influence in the nation. And God has put his hope right in your heart, in my heart. He's given us an eternal hope, which means we can transform the lives of those around us. And I would suggest to you that in this season, one of our greatest needs as Christians is to actually remember who God is to remember our anchor, to remember our rock, to remember our focal point, to look up in this season and remember who the Father is, who He is, because that then determines everything else 
in our lives in this season. And so we're going to just look at a few verses that will be very familiar to many of us, and they're found in Isaiah chapter 6. This is uh, an account of Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament who has a moment in his life where he encounters God in a way that completely changes the rest of his life. And he actually encounters God in a moment of national crisis. And here's what we read in Isaiah 6 verse 1. We read, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted. The first encounter that Isaiah has in this moment is that he sees a God who is high and exalted, who is eternal. And of course, the contrast we find here is that Isaiah sees God in this way in the context of the king of the nation having just died, King Uzziah. Uzziah and Isaiah sound a little bit the same, but they're two different people. King Uzziah was known in Israel to be pretty much a good king, a noble king, a king who actually ruled Israel wisely and under his kingship Israel prospered. For much of his life he was a godly king, he was a revered king and the nation was in a sweet spot when Uzziah was ruling and reigning as king. But the nation is in a moment of crisis, it's in a moment of loss, much like we are feeling right now. It's a moment of uncertainty because King Uzziah had died. And ultimately in this moment, God shows himself to Isaiah in his otherness and he says, listen, kings die, you and I die, but God is eternal. God doesn't have a, 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 a four score years and ten. <laughs> God is from everlasting to everlasting. And Isaiah sees the eternal God. Psalm 90 verse 2 says this, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And of course, what we're finding in this unusual season with coronavirus and self-isolation and fear and panic is that we are coming face to face, many of us, with our own sense of mortality, with a sense of our human weakness, our human frailty, the fact that this uh, unseen virus that started in Wuhan in China suddenly is gripping the nation with fear. And we are having to face the fact that we are mortal. We are perishable. We are of this earth. And we're having to face the things that perhaps we've taken for granted for so many years, whether it's uh, buying toilet roll or rice from Sainsbury's, um, whether it's being able to go freely to restaurants or gyms, or at a more serious level, facing the fact that this is a virus that for some people will be deadly and very, very serious. We are facing human mortality in this moment. And in the midst of this frailty, in the midst of this revelation of our finiteness, we need to look up and see a God who's eternal. To see a God who's completely other than you or I or anything else this world can offer. He is the uncreated one. He's the God who has no beginning and he has no end. He's the God that never, uh, uh, never had a, a time zone because he, exi- he himself created time itself. He's a God who's outside of time and space and is not bound by them. He's a God that we can trust because he's outside of this. 
He's other than. He's eternal. And I, I recently watched a, a conversation online between an atheist debater and his Christian counterpart. And the atheist debater asked the Christian professor, can you address the subject of where God came from? And how can you reason that a spiritual being can exert force on the material world to create it? It's a good question. And this was the Christian professor's answer. He said, your question assumes that you are thinking of the wrong God. Because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. Time, space, and matter are on a continuum. They all have to come into existence at the same time. If there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. And the Bible answers that in 10 words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heavens, there's space. And the earth, there's matter. So you have time, space, and matter. A kind of trinity of trinities. Time is past, present, and future. Space has length, width, and height. And matter has solid, liquid, and gas. You have a trinity of trinities created simultaneously. And the God who created them has to be outside of them. The guy who created my computer is not inside the computer. He's not running around inside there changing the numbers on the screen. God is outside of these things and is not limited by them. Your question assumes a limited God, and that is your problem. The God I believe in is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God inside my three-pound brain, he would not be worth worshipping. That's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. It's time to look up and remember who God is. Isaiah saw that God is eternal. He's infinite. He's outside of this created order. He doesn't need shreddies or sleep or holidays or time by the pool to recharge. He doesn't need a nap in the afternoon. He doesn't need to replenish himself. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is infinite and powerful and eternal. So can we just agree together in this season, this strange and serious season, to stop panicking, to stop being anxious, to stop stressing out, to stop being in a frenzy, to stop worrying about how things are going to work out because your life and my life is in the hands of an eternal God who's outside of time and space and matter. He rules all things. He's seen 10,000 plagues come and go and he's still seated on the throne as the eternal God. He is called your everlasting Father. So trust him. Worship him. Hold on to him. And remember that he is your eternal God. You can be at peace. Be thankful, be calm, rest in the fact that God has got you and it's going to be okay. Second thing that Isaiah sees in this passage is this. It says, I saw God and he was seated on a throne. You know, God's sovereign power as king of the cosmos is so unchallenged that he does all of his ruling while sitting down. Now, I don't know about you, but when I have a lot on, and I'm spinning lots of plates, and there's lots going on in my life, I 
do not sit down. I do not look calm. I am, I'm about a thousand things at once and trying to get stuff done and jumping in my car, going here, sending emails, doing this, doing that. And yet God rules things as a sovereign king completely peacefully because he is not anxious about how things are going to turn out. He's a king and he does his ruling while sitting down on the throne. And of course, one of the huge issues at stake right now for many people is the fact that they do not feel in control. And that's why so many of us are freaking out. Because we cannot control a hidden virus. But here's the truth. There's a king who sits on the throne who is in control. He is in control. Therefore, you can trust him. Because scripture says you are now seated with him in heavenly places. He's seated. He's peaceful. Therefore, so can I be. I can sit with him. I can find his peace because he's a sovereign king. You know, there's just this tiny verse in Psalm 147 verse 4. It says that God determines the number of stars and calls them out each by name. That's, that's an amazing statement right there, particularly when you consider some of the facts about the known universe. This is just the known universe. There are approximately two trillion galaxies in the observable universe, stretching back an estimated 13.7 billion light years. There are 100 million stars in the average galaxy. When you throw in dark matter, galactic rotation, it's really hard to get a precise number. Add into the fact that the known universe itself is expanding and that time and space is curved, not linear, the rough estimate of the total number of stars in the known universe is one with 24 zeros after it. And yet scripture says God knows each star by name. Isaiah 40 says, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of those stars is missing. And he does it all just sitting down. <laughs> That's amazing. He's a sovereign king, sustaining galaxies and stars and mountains and humans, your life. You know, and ultimately, this king is not standing for re-election. He, he's not looking for anyone's approval to carry on. He is the sovereign king who sits down. He's ruling the cosmos that he himself created. And this makes a difference for you and I because it means that we can live our lives in peace because your life is in his hands. I remember a time when I was very young where I struggled to sleep for many years. I would have chronic nightmares every single night and nighttime was not a time of peace. Sorry, mum, you were often the one who got up for me. Uh, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> And I remember for, for, for years struggling with anxieties. I went to sleep and then one day my mum gave me a verse from the Psalms, Psalm 4, verse 8, that just simply says this, When I lie down, I sleep in peace, because you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And I remember reading that verse and memorizing it, and I would read it before bed every night, and it was the single truth that just broke me out of years of nightmares and sleepless nights, because I connected to this truth. There's a king on the throne. I can have peace because of who he is. You know, and I want to say to you, church, if you're listening to this today, God is bigger. He's bigger than any problem. He's bigger than any financial pressure. He's bigger than any disease. 
He's bigger than any economic worries. He's bigger than any turmoil. He's bigger than the, the, the things that you're looking right now in your life. God is bigger and he's above these things. You can trust him. You can trust your father, your king who is on the throne. And ultimately, whatever you look at in this season is going to get bigger. You can look at your problems and they will get bigger. But you can choose to look at the throne and look at the king. And it will change your perspective on your life. Trust him. Worship him. And introduce him to people who are scared. Introduce this king to people who genuinely, the foundation of their world is shaking right now. You be someone who lifts their chins and say, there's a God in heaven who cares about your life. And he's seated on a throne. And then thirdly and lastly, Isaiah looks up and he sees the train of God's robe filling the temple. And this is just such a fascinating picture. And just imagine for a moment you're at a wedding and the, you're waiting for the bride. The bride comes in at the back of the room and the train of her robe just starts to fill up the room and fill up the room and fill up the room until people start having to leave the room because there's no room for them and the train of her robe. And people are getting knocked out of their chairs as the robe just keeps coming into the room, into the auditorium. And the train of the robe fills the room. And that's the picture here that Isaiah sees. The train of God's robe fills the temple. And robes in scripture were always symbols of victory. When a king wore a robe, it was a sign of his authority and his victory. In fact, every other king that he would conquer, he would tear a piece off his robe and tear it on to his own. And so the longer your robe, the greater amount of victories you had won. And Isaiah sees God's victory filling the temple. And it's a victory that just keeps coming in and coming in and coming in and coming in until there's no room for anything else. And of course, interestingly, in the New Testament, temples are no longer physical places, they're spiritual places. You and I are called temples of the Holy Spirit. And so the picture that Isaiah sees is this, is the victory of God filling your life and my life. So much so that there is no room anymore for fear or shame or guilt. All that stuff gets dislodged because his victory is just coming into the room, coming into the room, coming into the room. And everything else is getting dislodged out of my heart because his victory is coming in. And it keeps coming in, coming in, coming in and transforming the temple. Everything else has to shift out the way. This is the way Paul puts it in Romans 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or are destitute or in danger or threatened with death or in self-isolation? I added that bit. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing ever can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or virus on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. His victory has filled our hearts. That means that in this season, we pray for victory from a place of victory. And God has made us as a church to be hope carriers in this season. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
neither life nor death. Therefore, give away what God has freely given you in Christ. So in conclusion, Isaiah encounters God in a moment of national crisis. And these are so often the moments that God just takes the center stage in the nation. He shows himself strong. And my prayer for you is the same as Isaiah, because Isaiah's response as he saw God in his otherness, in his glory, in his sovereignty, God says, who will go for us? And Isaiah immediately sticks up his little hand and says, here I am, send me. And that is the only response. When you see who God really is, you stick your hand up and you say, I'll do anything. You have my yes, God. You have my yes in this season because you are so brilliant, so magnificent, so holy, so beautiful, so loving that all that I have is now at your disposal. Here I am, send me. And so the two questions I want to ask you in your own homes and your own families as you're watching this today, two things. I want you to ask God, Father, will you show me yourself in this season? Show me your glory. Show me yourself. Show me a vision of you that is bigger than the visions that the earth is painting right now. Show me yourself like you showed yourself to Isaiah. God, would you show me your glory? Show me what you're like. Ask him in this season. But secondly, ask him this question. Lord, who are you sending me to in this season? Who are you sending me to? In society, in culture, in your neighborhood, your friends, your family. Who is it that you are called to be a hope carrier for in this season. I pray that all of us in this strange and unusual moment have encounters with God that change us and our nation forever. This is not a time to back down, church. This is a time to pray bold prayers, to live with outrageous love, to be the biggest hope carriers in our communities. We were born for such a time as this. Amen. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we love you so much and we thank you that you are unhurried, unworried, without any anxiety about this season that we're now in. You care for people that are fearful, that are anxious, that are worried. Thank you that you're a God of compassion. You're a God of mercy. You're a God who comes into the midst of our chaos to bring peace and bring life. And Father, just pray for every member of our church that right now is maybe in fear or is sick. We pray, come Holy Spirit, will you bring healing? Will you bring peace? And will you bring hope? And we pray for our own communities. Father, will you transform our neighborhoods, our workplaces by the hope of the gospel, by the hope of a God who is eternal and who is other than us? And in this season, Father, we say, show yourself to us in a new way and send us out to bring your life. We ask in your mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Wow. Thank you so much, Phil. I don't know about you guys at home, but God is most definitely in the house. And that's a really reassuring thing, isn't it? I would urge you where you are right now, don't rush away from this moment. As we wrap up here, I'd 
kind of encourage you just to now sit and bathe in the presence of God wherever you are at home. Just enjoy him with your family or friends or even if you're by yourself. Just take time to let what the words that Phil has spoken to us just really kind of go in deep because there's a lot of richness there for us, isn't there? Well, guys, we're going to sign off. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace today and for the rest of the week. We look forward to seeing you here next Sunday. Bye-bye.